0: Do you believe that God is in complete control over all things in the entire universe? Christians seem to hold differing views as to the extent of the sovereignty of God's rule, especially in light of salvation, creation, and suffering. But it doesn't matter what one person believes on these things, but rather what God's word teaches on these things. Is your view on God's sovereignty aligned or misaligned with scripture? Join us today as we take the time to stop and think about it.
1: Hello? Hello? Anybody home? i don't think, McFly, think. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What were you thinking? I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Didn't say anything now. Just think about it. You're listening to Stop and Think About It. A podcast for the Christian thinker in a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment and the church has become increasingly anti-intellectual. This podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop and think about it.
0: Greetings friends and foes, saints and sinners, welcome to another exciting episode of the Stop and Think About It podcast. Once again, it will just be Glenn and I, the West Indian wordsmith. And before we start, we just wanted to update you that Soul Fishing Ministries will be launching a new website in December and will be upgrading, and that will also be the home of the Stop and Think About It podcast. We're going to have a store and be selling all kinds of merchandise on the website, so please check back at soulfishingministries.org in about a week or two and see all the exciting things that we have on our website. So Glenn, sovereignty seems to be like a pretty weighty subject, and before we jump into it, I thought it would be good for us to share some of our personal struggles we've had in the past on God's sovereignty
2: yeah Phil so uh when I was working as a a driver for my current company i you know I really felt lost. I felt like i was um i wasn't doing what what I wanted to do. I felt like I, I was really just kind of wasting life and I prayed to God about it I talked to my my brothers and sisters about it and and i and I really just wanted to do something else um and after a while, I was so despondent, but you know i said you know let me, i'm going to trust god I, I'm going to trust that God knows what's right for me uh, it it was definitely providing for me and my family, and I just needed to to stick it out. And you know, after trusting God, it just after a while, I've been blessed so many times in terms of promotions and raises. And now I'm kind of doing what I, I wanted to do before, and it's a job that I didn't even think I, I I wanted to do. And I don't say this to say you know only if things work out, God is sovereign, but it took me trusting that God was in control to really, you know, do what I was meant to do or do what was worthwhile to me. So, in a way, I think it, it taught me that I'm not in control like I think I am. I, I don't even know what I really need. Um, and and, and I, I believe that it, it kind of really helped me to start thinking about what sovereignty means. And it's not only God is only sovereign if it's good for me, it's kind of, it's kind of what I learned.
0: Yeah. A Jamaican taxi cab driver. I've never heard of such a thing, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, we have like 18 jobs. Um, <laughs> what about you, Phil? I mean, is there anything that kind of uh, uh, I mean, we, we, we have I could have gave you a million examples, but that was just one sure, that kind of sure uh, was more recent for me.
0: Well, it's funny because in high school, when I started up a Bible club and they kicked it out, I saw God's hand sovereignly get it back into the school system,
2: Mm. uh,
0: overriding the will of those in charge, if you will. Mm. But since I didn't really have anybody discipling me and really teaching me biblical doctrine, I was kind of floating out in the theological space, if you will, trying to figure it out on my own. But then these things really came to light, came to bear, and I started grappling with these types of things in Bible college.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You're talking about theology and all the $500 uh, theological buzzwords that you can use at a party. I can't um, afford it. <laughs> yeah, I know, what I'm sa- I know what you're saying. But one of the things was, um, as far as the sovereignty of God and salvation, that was what my heart really began to grapple with in Bible college. Mm-hmm and i didn't understand how people can be getting saved and unsaved and saved again and this could happen you know 3 or 4 times a, a week in someone's life or in a month or in a year
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: and i was asking questions to my theology professor like when does it really stick it sounds like a christian yo-yo divine game and mm. i do not remember receiving like a heart settling satisfactory answer to mm. that and and he was not a dumb guy he's very bright very bright, bright man. Um, It was frustrating in the sense that when I went out to evangelize, I was told by one pastor that I was not good at closing the deal. (laughs) In other words, getting people to say the prayer, hence what people call the sinner's prayer to which there's no such thing actually in the Bible. And so there was so much pressure on me, if you will, to save the person as if I was the savior, as if them praying this prayer was the means of their salvation because I had an unbiblical view of God's sovereignty, not realizing that God is called the Savior, that Christ is the Savior, because he's the one who does the saving. Right. I'm just a delivery boy. I'm just delivering the message, but I'm not the one who does the saving.
2: So, Phil, how many people have you saved um, in your ministry?
0: Um, I would say at the highest climax of our ministry it's been zero. <laughs> zero. that's about right <laughs> absolutely but um you know and I, one guy asked me how many people did you lead to christ i said every single person i've ever spoken to about christ he said really how many i said i've no clue you asked me how many people have i led to christ so everybody i speak to about christ i point them toward christ that's my leading them toward christ whether their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life and God has saved them, I don't know, because I don't have access to the Lamb's Book of Life.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very interesting. So, so um, I think we we agree that generally speaking, they are about what two categories when it comes to God's sovereignty. Or two ways people kind of look at it. it. Yes, it branches off into many other ways, but it's really these two questions, right?
0: Yes, I think there's two major uh, aspects to God's sovereignty and. Uh, I think the first one would be God's attribute of sovereignty. In other words, the person of God, his rule over creation and nature. And then secondly, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility in terms of salvation, evil, sickness, prayer, evangelism, family, death, and so on and so forth.
2: Yeah, and I think I think, you can, I think we're going to have to go hard on that uh, man's responsibility because I think that's the one that I think everyone struggles with, I think, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to get there, but I don't think that that is the starting place. I don't think that's the lead off batter. I think you can't get to that aspect until you look at who God actually is in his sovereignty.
2: So you don't jump ahead. I like to jump ahead. Like you, you know, with Netflix, you can just fast forward and go that's right, right. there the season. That's
0: right. We're doing podcasts. We ain't doing Netflix. <laughs> but um, to be sure, God reigns over every realm of his universe whether it's over nature evil nations history or even the eternal destinies of men but in what respect is God sovereign and
2: all all, all things
0: all things and i like what the late rc sproul said when he said the doctrine of the sovereignty of god is god's favorite doctrine
2: Mm, that's that's saying a lot so Glenn, how would you describe an attribute of God? So the first thing we have to realize is that God is not like men, right? He he doesn't change dependent on situations or circumstances. So, you know, I'm able to describe someone as being an angry person or a difficult person or a kind person, but it never really defines that person, right? It's really my interactions with them or what I've been told about them, what I've heard about them, right? Right. Who of us, you know, I mean, every one of us has has, um, met someone who's been described in a negative way. And then we meet him and we're like, oh, he's not that bad. And depending on the circumstances, someone could be a difficult boss at work and then be the gentlest father at home. Right. Right. It kind of depends on the circumstances. And and not any one characterization can embody an entire person. But God is not like that. Right. His attributes are simply it's more than just a God is loving. And it's just an attribute you kind of throw on him because it's what we've experienced. His, his attributes are him. Like the, he never changes. He's not dependent on circumstances or who he's speaking to, to describe him. So I, I think a, a way to think about it is that one attribute doesn't knock out the other. Right. Right. So like it is a description of what, of, of what he does. And, but it's also a description of who he is. For example, we would say everyone says God is the God of love, right? Okay, so God embodies love, and not not only the description of who He is, but He's He He's um in 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 quality He is love personified.
0: That's uh, Joe Osteen's favorite and only attribute. I think he speaks of
2: exactly, exactly, and that's what most people want because they think, well, His love, then He won't punish anybody because he's loving and a loving person would never punish anyone for anything, but he's also the lawgiver, right? Right. He's also the judge. He's also a God of wrath. These are all things that he's embodied. And so think about it. And this is how I always try to explain the gospel to people. Yes, he's a God of love, but he's also the one that made the law. He's perfect, another attribute of him. And so how could a perfect person who doesn't make mistake make a law that's not perfect? And if that law is perfect, how can, as a judge, can he say, you know what, I made a mistake with Phil on lying. Phil can lie, but it it doesn't work that way. So one of his attributes cannot override the other. And so his love does not trump all, as they, they say. His love has to... Be submitted also to his lawgiving. They all work together, so everything works together perfectly in him. It's not he's sometimes angry and sometimes he's a loving father. Yeah, uh, it's it's a complicated. I can go on and on, but it's just an idea that his attributes are, not, are, are are descriptive, but it's also what he is completely.
0: Sure. Well, there's this mentality that the God on the left side of the Bible is different from the God on the right side of the Bible. It was not an, uh, true. Yeah, not true. But there was a heresy um, in, uh, in early Christianity that uh, came to bear um, concerning that. And I think we get a lot of the, the feel-good uh, gospel out of that ancient heresy. But the God on the left side of the Bible, the one who parted the Red Sea, the one who rained down the plagues, um, the one who killed Uzzah for just touching the ark when it was going to fall is the same God in the New Testament who killed Ananias and Sapphira and who raised Christ from the dead and who's coming back to rule and to reign uh, on the earth. So it's not that there's a different God on the left side of vengeful, wrathful, um, sovereign God. And then there's this nice kind of Mr. Rogers type God in Jesus on the right side of the Bible. And so many people seem to, as you said, uh, elevate one of God's attribute while suppressing another. But let's pull them both together. Even God's love is a sovereign love. It's a holy Amen. love. It's yes. a righteous love. So you can't pull them and separate them apart from one another.
2: Yeah, is the law is loving. Right. It's telling is when you, when you, when you discipline your child and you say, don't touch the fire, it's, lo- it's a loving requirement. It's not, that's going to hurt you. Don't do that.
0: Yeah. God right? disciplines those he loves. There's discipline Amen. and love side by side.
2: Amen. Amen. Yeah. And, and, and so, and, and so I, so I think the, the, the way to understand it is all his attributes describe him and not yes. just one. Right. Yes. Like it, it, he's not. So an attribute is immutable, unchangeable aspect of what God is, as opposed to uh, us. We are. I can be angry sometimes that no one's always angry. Right. <laughs> you know, no one's always, you know, fully, uh, uh, a fully just judge. Every judge makes a mistake and makes wrong judgments at some p- point. But God doesn't. His judgments are always sovereignly correct.
0: Yes. Yes. I looked up um, in the dictionary um, and I listened to some definitions from other preachers about sovereignty. And here is some of what uh, I came up with to be sovereign is to be above all others and superior to all others, chief, greatest, supreme, supreme in power, rank and authority, holding the position of ruler, royalty, reigning independent of all others i mean who else embodies such a definition in perfection other than god I,
2: I i i don't think i think that's i mean i think all those descriptions kind of say it all i think yeah they do in, in a way mm-hmm.
0: aw pink described god's sovereignty as the godness of god what Yes,
2: we got we got like save all these uh, um, quotes. I mean, these these are brilliant men who they're not even able to do justice to it. Um, I I think I think a more simpler way of explaining it is that it's supreme power or authority, right? So I I don't know. I'm a student of history, so uh, in in historical terms, a a nation's considered to be a sovereign nation, right? Which means that that nation has all authority over its citizens or its citizens depending on what kind of government it is, have, has all authority to make decisions about themselves. So Japan can't tell U.S. what to do, and the U.S. can't tell Japan what to do, because that in that, sovereign, in that nation, the government that has been chosen is sovereign over itself. The citizens right. are sovereign over itself. And that's one way of looking at it. Now God is sovereign over all things. There's nothing that is outside the realm of his power. A second way of looking at it is um, is is. Is, is sometimes the, the emperor, the king, whoever is in authority is considered to be a sovereign. That's literally a title of a king, that yes. he is sovereign. That means he has supreme authority over his subjects. And in the same way, God is our king. Um, he has supreme authority over everything. It's not there's some things that are outside of his control. No, everything is within the the, the sphere of his control. That's, yeah. that's a simplistic way of looking at it, you know?
0: Yeah, because there's really nothing outside of his control and nothing that God hasn't foreseen and planned. Because God's not only the creator of all things and the ruler of all things, but he's also the sustainer of all things. Imagine for one moment if God were to take his hand of order off the universe. I mean, it would spin into utter chaos, which is why Psalm 115 states, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. And so God works all things in heaven and on earth according to his unchangeable or immutable will and divine glory. Mm. And God will never lend, relinquish, or forfeit his sovereign rule and reign in any sense to his creation. Of course, he's told us to have dominion over the earth, but we can only do what God has allowed us to do. We have to exercise our will and our rule, so to speak, in being inconsistent with our own nature, and to quote again the late R.C. Sproul, um, R.C. said, "There's not a maverick molecule in the universe that is outside of his sovereignty. For if there was a God, if He was not sovereign and control of all things, then He Himself is not God."
2: Now, just keeping in mind all the things we've been saying, then why, do, you know, why are Christians kind of thinking of God as this passive elderly man on a throne kind of doddering who's just really kind and loving and he he sees evil in the world and he doesn't and he just wishes it would stop like why why is that image what 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 people see it's 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 it doesn't it doesn't match what the bible says
0: Right. Well, you said it right there. It doesn't match what the Bible says. So people are seeing something and their eyes are not looking at the scripture. Their eyes are looking at Dr. Phil and Oprah and other gurus and Tony Robbins and other such motivational speakers or what have you to find uh, their doctrine on the sovereignty of God. But they're not looking to the book that the sovereignty of God has penned in the scriptures. Now,
2: you know, you know, this is a theme of Stop and Think About It, right? We stop, think about it, and then read the Bible. It's yes. usually, you know, the answer for everything is in there. And it's the foundation. A Bible is, 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 is literally defined as a collection of books. Yes. And this is our canon. This is where everything that we need is there. Now, obviously, we have teachers and, and preachers to expound on the meaning of it. But it's all there, and, and it's, it's one of the, the one, the one uh, religion. It's the only religion in reality, but it's the one religion that where it's not hidden. It's not, well, i got to talk to mass master so-and-so to explain what this is. It's, it's literally there. If you read it long enough and you study and pray long enough, everything that you need to know is revealable.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's right there. And I think um, what tends to happen is that people start with themselves and mm. they don't start with God. And if you're talking about God, you need to start with God. You can't start with yourself and how you view or picture or define God as you see him. You know, even in AA, they used to have uh, in their 12 steps to relinquish your power or your will over to God, and then they changed it to being to relinquish your power or will over to God as you understand him. You see, they added that in, and they screwed it all up. But that's kind of like the order of our day. God, as you understand Him, it doesn't matter how you understand Him in one respect. It matters how He has told you to understand Him.
2: Amen. Amen.
0: According to His own standards, according to His Word.
2: Amen. And so, it, it, to go behind the curtain now, when we decide what we're going to do on this podcast, it's these are things that are burning questions that we have, things that discussions we we have, or we think people need to know about. And so we've talked about this before, and, and I think we kind of narrowed it down to like three arguments or three different positions people have where they kind of distort what the sovereignty of God is. Right. Yes. Um, and I think we focused on a science experience and this, and an unbiblical worldview. Right. Yes. That's what we're going to explore today. And, we're hoping that as we go through this, you're going to kind of see some of the things that you, like I I think all of these I've kind of yielded to, you know, I mean, there's always going to be a myriad of, but I think these are the three major ones. If you have someone who's struggling with God's sovereignty and and these kind of questions, these are usually what they fall back on. And, And remember, we want you to stop. We want you to think, and we want you to be able to answer some of these questions for yourself and for others to help them, to guide them, because at the heart of it, it's under the branch of soul fishing ministries because we want to equip everyone to be disciplers and to be to be discipled.
0: Yes. So I think one of the arguments that people use is from the realm of science, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they make science out many to be God. Like mm-hmm. science says, I love that phrase. I heard uh, I think it was Frank Turek that says science doesn't say anything. Science <laughs> is an academic subject. And right. scientists say things and they don't all agree. And it's scientists who speak, not a subject. The,
2: my, my, the, the best way I, I kind of, I love science. Science is great. It, it, it's very helpful to, to describe and to plan. We're using science right now to, to communicate with everybody. You know, it's, it's necessary. Sure, But in the realm of, of of understanding God and where we're here, it's useless. Um, one way I, I think about science is science is observing things and then making uh, determinations from it so so what i always do to kind of destroy people's and kind of burst the bubble is to think about weather okay okay they can predict that a hurricane's coming they can predict it's going to be somewhere in the vicinity of the u.s florida and i'm telling you five days out they change it four days out they change it three days out they ch- up to the day of the hurricane they have no idea where it's going to go yeah. They have, so they have multiple paths and they're guessing. and they're That's kind of what science does. When God knows where it's going, God is directing it and it's going to go the same way. So it's not useless, but in, in terms of trying to understand human nature, um, God's purposes, it's really just a guest, educated, not even an educated guest, because they cannot quantify all the different things that God does. And if you think of a scientist trying to determine what the weather is going to be this afternoon and how much of a... Uh, error there is. It's like a 30% error where it might rain, it might not rain. Yeah. That's kind of how I deal with science um, when science tries to intrude in the realm of 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 what is God and who is God. Yeah, that
0: actually worked out to my advantage one day as a New York City public school teacher we were supposed to have this major blizzard and they canceled all the schools and not a snowflake fell from the sky (laughs) and so not only did i not have to use the time i would have been at work to shovel the driveway and the walkway and the stairs and all of that but i just got to enjoy the day with my family (laughs) (laughs) at the expense of meteorologists because they're fallible but we're talking about a God who is not fallible. And so we understand, you know, it's good to be a meteorologist and to use the tools yeah, and the yeah. instruments. And there's very some, necessary. Yeah, very there's some degree necessary. of accuracy to them. But are they 100% accurate? No, because God has decreed and God has willed if it's if it's going to snow or not snow and if the wind is going to blow this way because he controls the winds. Mm. Um, if we look in the scriptures, we see that God decided that there will be a global flood. What? Yes. He can do that? He can do that. (laughs) And although many quote-unquote scientists have said that there was a huge meteor that hit the, the waters and that caused a flood because they want to kind of take God out of the picture, the scriptures has the answer. God caused the flood waters to flow, and he said he was going to destroy the earth with the earth, and that's exactly what he did, exactly where we find many fossils in sedimentary layers, which comes about through rushing water gee, is there a, an account a biblical narrative in the scriptures that talks about rushing water and a global flood? Hmm. I'm thinking Noah.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But anyway, I want to, I want to help some people to kind of look, cause once again, we don't know who they're going to talk to. We don't know what they're going to come from. So I'm going to go with the traditional historical scientific argument against or for this. So basically, you know, Science, which is meant to just explain phenomena, explain why this happens and how it works, it's it's really the motion of the universe and trying to figure out why. So, in in it, so historically, there's been a battle where science is saying can't prove God, God doesn't exist, it's all machinery that we can kind of get to the the bottom of how it works. And so, I you know, the religious side, the Christian side, came up with this idea of okay this watchmaker analogy or watchmaker argument it's a theological i'm not going to go into the the 500 hundred dollar words but basically the argument is that the fact that the world is created and designed in a certain way implies that they had to be a designer it's, it's impossible for a, a star to become a corvette like something had to direct this so that we can the multiplicity of the universe the the different organism lifestyles cannot be formed from evolution from age plus chance it has to be some kind of designer who has made it the way it is supposed to be not going to get into that the, the nitty-gritty of that argument but that's the argument that was made so now sir isaac newton and renee descartes these are famous uh scientists and philosophers came up with the idea that the physical laws that were uncovered reveal this mechanical perfection Of the workings of the universe, which similar to a watch, right? Now the problem, and this is great, and I think we would agree with that, right, Phil? Yes. Yeah, but the problem is, they people then take that analogy to the extreme and say, God is the watchmaker. He made the watch, and now it's ticking, and He doesn't need to be involved anymore.
0: Right. That's a problem. That's kind of the the deist view, Mm -hmm. and just to take one step back to simplify what you were just saying. uh, A painting must have a painter. Paintings don't paint themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, A cell phone has a cell phone maker. Everything made has a maker. How someone could look at the universe and say, everything has a maker except for the universe. This just happened by random chance, which would make us uh, cosmic um, mistakes, if you will, with no purpose or rhyme in the universe. But the God that that makes things, the God that creates things, has a created order, and he sustains it. And that's exactly what Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 tells us. He's the author and the sustainer. He upholds all things by the word of his power. The reason that he created a bird and it could fly, it could find food and all of that. I mean, it doesn't fly to the supermarket, like you and I go in to buy food. So God doesn't throw the worms in the mouths, but he makes sure that they find where the worms are. Mm. He sustains the birds and he sustains you and he sustains me. And he does it every waking day. When we sleep, the blood is still flowing. The airwaves are still open. I mean, we can't owe it to ourselves and to science that we are sustained each and every day.
2: And the Bible is 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 literally i guess you could also say figuratively a description of how god intervenes yes how god the book of job is talking about he's allowing these things to happen to job it's not happening independent of him but he's allowing it and then so everything that happens he, he he he's sustaining like you said but he's also allowing it talks about a hardening of pharaoh's heart and the and 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 how he hardened his heart and how he softened his heart and you know and how he he and even the the, the history of salvation is this sovereignly changing our heart and so
0: well he how didn't self, do you, i don't think he softened pharaoh's heart he hardened it and as pharaoh tried to go against the will of god his heart was getting harder and god kind of finished it off Right, right. Cemented it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but 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 there is a sense that 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 how can you believe that God is changing our hearts and at the same time thinks that He's like not involved anymore? Right? Ah, no, it doesn't make that's sense. Good.
0: That's that that's an incredible point. Yeah, how could God have spoken the world into existence and then just left it to run on its own like a blind watchmaker, like a mm-hmm. deist view? He could save us from our sin, but then that's it. He He's not involved with the everyday affairs of our lives. Um, again, it's just a very unbiblical view of who God is.
2: Amen. Amen. And I think this, uh, just a general childlike reading of the Bible is going to say, well, he's really involved. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think that kicks it out of the water. And that's the main scientific argument is that, yeah, yeah, we we there's a God. Okay. There's a creator. Okay. But now he's done. It's time for us as human beings, to kind of make sense of the world with independent of him, because he's already given us the mechanisms, and, you can't, and yeah, think- you,
0: you can't do it because mm. you know, God brought the global flood, and people had to bend to his will, and only eight lived, and the rest drowned. I mean, Amen. they couldn't say, Oh, we're gonna invent some kind of scientific thing, we're gonna be great swimmers. I mean, there was nothing <laughs> they could do to stop it from coming, Amen. they swallowed water. And they never came back. And when Jonah was on the sea, running from God, running against the will of God, God threw a storm at Jonah and rocked his boat, literally. Uh, We see on Galilee, Jesus rose up and he calmed the storm. The very storm he created, he calmed. It rained plagues down in Egypt. I mean, come on. He's clearly in charge of all things. And all things cannot be explained away by science and much of what people call as science to explain things away is not science it's philosophy
2: correct correct and now and, and, and that's one side and there's so much we can talk about that but the other side is experience right yes well, what do people say about that uh, phil what like h- how does this con- once again they're not starting with the bible no when you
0: experiences the things that people go through, uh, how they grew up, the music they listen to, the things that have happened to them, the things that ha- they've done or not done in their lives, um, all that encompasses uh, one's life um, uh actions if you will and so many people use evil in the world Mm. and say that you know god can exist because there's evil in the world and he Mm. would not let evil happen and although we're going to cover that a little bit more uh later on um I i like the syllogism if there's evil there must be good Because Mm -hmm. then you can't Mm -hmm. just call things evil. And if there's good and evil, there must be a standard by which to measure it from.
2: Correct. And if
0: there's a standard, there must be a moral law, which is that very standard. If there's a moral law, it had to come from someplace. Moral laws just don't pop out of the air. So there must be a moral law giver. And if there's a moral law giver, there must be God. He must exist. And he must have given us his law for us to abide by.
2: Now now in, in in that and kind of adjacent to that is this idea that comes out of this is and this drives me crazy that there's God and right. then there's the devil and they're somewhat equal. Right. And there's this battle and this struggle and we're going to come out on top. But the devil's really strong and he's really powerful, and that's why evil's happening, and God's fighting him every day, but he just can't overcome it. And at some point in the future, God's gonna win and the devil's gonna be defeated. And it's completely unbiblical, it's completely wrong. It has no r- space in reality. Yeah, I mean,
0: that's just an absolutely disgusting view. Um, and this is why in Psalm 93. Through 99, these are called the enthronement psalms. Mm-hmm. Psalm 93 verse 1 said, The Lord reigns, he, the Lord reigns. he is robed in majesty. Psalm 96.10, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Psalm 97.1, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Psalm 99 verse 1, the Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim, let the earth quake. So if the Lord reigns, therefore, Glenn, Satan does not and cannot reign. And many Christians think that there's a demon under every bush or a demon under every rock. And Satan may be greater with than we are in a certain context, but he doesn't compare to God one iota. Amen. I think it was Martin Luther who said, uh, the devil is God's devil. In other words, he exists and he was even created by God, but he's on a short chain. like he, He's like an angry dog, so to speak but he's on God's chain and God is holding the chain and yanking and loosing whenever he likes to do so, allowing Satan to do only what he allows him to do. And when you read the book of Job, it wasn't that Satan arbitrarily was able to mess with Job. He had to ask God's permission to mess with Job.
2: Amen. 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 And, And I think, and I think another one that encompasses this, this understanding that God is sovereign because this is, Let's, let's be honest. That's an attack on God's sovereignty. It sounds like we're, we're giving God like, this grace and helping him in this issue of evil, but we're really saying, God, you don't really have control of everything. And because you don't have control of everything, it makes sense that evil exists. The, the, the story of Joseph, I think, is the picture. You know, and we're not going to go into it because of time, but basically at the end of it, he says um, in uh, Genesis 45, 5-8, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Right, So what he's saying is, for the, for the famine has been in the land for two years, and there are five years in which there were neither plowing nor harvest, and God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth, to keep alive for you many survivors. So the slavery, the imprisonment, the almost being put to death, being separated from his family, all things that we would describe as evil today was meant to preserve the life of so many people. It helped the Egyptians, helped the people in surrounding, and it saved his family, without that, they all would be would be dead. So it's like you don't know what the per- – God is sovereign, and we don't – and when I was describing my my personal story, that's what I'm saying. I didn't know what the purpose of my that job was. The purpose of that job was for me to become familiar with the company that I work with so that when I moved up, I would not be haughty, and I would yes. understand that there are multiple layers to this job. Same way with him is the aspect of well, everything he went through made him understand that – God is sovereign, and he doesn't always have to do what you like.
0: Yeah, and I really like that you referenced that passage because it was Joseph's brothers. It was their hands that sold him into slavery. Mm. It was the Ishmaelite uh, that came and took Joseph and brought him. And so there were all these people involved in the process, Mm. but Joseph gets it. And here's what he says in Genesis 45 and verse 8. Which is what you just referenced the preceding verse. Yeah,
2: that's important.
0: So it was not you, he's speaking to his brothers, who sent me here, but God. God sovereign. God is
2: sovereign sovereign over all things.
0: I mean, he basically said, God is sovereign yeah it was your hands but it really wasn't you it was god yeah it was the ishmaelites but it really wasn't them it was god yeah it was the pharaoh and potiphar's wife and all of this thing but it really wasn't them it really was god they were just pawns on the chessboard but it was god who was orchestrating all these things from heaven
2: phil i'm going to do a phil i'm going to give you like a cliche hindsight is twenty twenty, right yes a lot of what god does Does it make sense while it's happening? When you look back and say, hey, if I didn't do this, I didn't do that, I would have my son. Yes. If I didn't do this and I didn't do that, I wouldn't be a Grace Baptist right now. You know, if I didn't have these struggles with the church that I was in, I wouldn't be in the doctrine of Grace Reformed. If I didn't commit that crime and go to jail for that period of time, I wouldn't have met these people who gave me the gospel, right? We don't know. We are not capable of understanding the machinations of God until the end. Yeah. And so experience is not bad, but experience without knowledge leads you onto all these paths. And that's, once again, we're going to harp on this over and read your Bible. Well, as you read your Bible, you're going to say, hey, when I was in fifth grade, that's why. Right. Knowledge puts experience. That experience by itself is useless. Yes. Knowledge but experience with, with truth mixed in helps you to make sense of what's happening. And it should lead you to God, not away from him.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're not called to interpret experience. We're called to interpret scripture and to see our experience through scripture. Mm-hmm. So that's always got to be our filter. And imagine um Joseph uh speaking on slavery today. Hmm. I mean, he would have, you know, had just a completely different worldview, even mm-hmm. than uh Martin Luther King Jr. Maybe. Um and, and many others, because he would have said, listen. God allows things, God causes things, and God uses all things for his own glory. Mm -hmm. It's still God who works all things after his will. And uh, Romans 8.28, let me just get there one second. I I, I love this verse. Mm -hmm. I I know I have it like in the back of my head, but I, (laughs) right?
2: You don't want to misquote, right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: And we know that for those whom God loves All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. Wow. So God even works evil according to his purposes. And we're going to cover more of that kind of later on. But I think you see it highlighted in the life of Job, who was, am I saying this right, an an archetype of Christ?
2: Archetype, yeah, correct.
0: Archetype. Um, because look at what happened to Jesus on the cross. Yes, it was the Jews and the Romans that worked in concert. The greatest the evil. Yeah, the greatest evil greatest evil, The greatest injustice. And God wrought. I mean, the pinnacle point of all of human history at the cross in the face of injustice. He brought redemption for his people. He paid for their sin at that time. This was God doing what God does best being god and if you remember at the uh, the wedding at cana when mary says you know jose uh, to, to jesus basically uh, do something because the wine has run out and he said it's not my time yet woman yeah. he wasn't being disrespectful and when he said it's not my time yet he was always using that in reference to the cross about when he would go die and so he decided when he would even go to die
2: yeah exactly so, so, so we have uh,
0: these issues of of experience, and I think the third aspect is people just having an unbiblical worldview overall. They ascribe things to luck and to chance. Some use karma, and these are the societal ways of dealing with things that many people don't understand.
2: So, so you know, I I get, I squeeze up when I hear someone say, "Oh, that was lucky," <laughs> you know, uh, "Oh, oh, it, that's good luck." It, is God sovereign or not? I mean, right. we throw these phrases around, but no, luck is some mystical happen chance. If everything is ordered by His will, we can't have luck. Karma is this—you know—this. It sounds good. Well, you do bad, bad things happen to you. Yeah. Well, let me well, throw in. Is,
0: let is, me throw this in here. Many people uh, use the word chance again. Speaking of like evolution, um, random. You know, chance. But mm-hmm. if I flip a coin 50 times and it lands on head 30 times and tails 20 times, did chance make that happen? Or did my finger flipping it make it happen? Because,
2: oh, that sounds like a philosophical question there. I yeah. I mean,
0: quarters <laughs> don't land on heads and tails in and of themselves. There's got to be someone who moves the coin mm-hmm. for it to happen. And God determines it. And we know God determines if it's heads or tails because we see that on the ship where Jonah was, yes, back to Jonah, um, all about that book, when they wanted to find out who was responsible for the storm, they cast lots and the lot landed on Jonah. Well, who caused that? The same God that caused the storm caused a lot to land on Jonah.
2: Even even the apostles, when they were choosing uh, to replace Judas, Judas, did that they cast lots and then they chose from that saying, god you sovereignly pick who it is we've chosen what we know from our human limitations the criteria by which we can determine who should be with us but out these two you must choose because at the end of the day you are god
0: yeah so Glenn, i mean who caused you to be a black jamaican man
2: uh well when i was younger my mother used to put me in the sun a lot and um, (laughs) you know the 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 rays of the sun may be a lot darker than than uh thing because i could have gone either way
0: and affected your accent and caused you to speak patois yeah
2: you know so the wagwan it's it's a natural result of sun rays (laughs) that's right (laughs) no no it's god god i had no i I didn't look i didn't have control over who i was born to love my mother to death but i didn't choose her right Right. she was given to me thankfully um, yes. we can't, we don't choose our parents we don't choose what city what country what language we, we grew up in we later on we can we can try to switch all that but what we're we've been placed in a position in a place i don't know as as christians when we're praying to god for, for our path and what we need to do can you then not say he's sovereign because you know the experience that i've had in jamaica the experience i've had in brooklyn the experiences that i've had in terms of my own mistakes help me you don't know how many people that i've been able to help through God to say, "Hey, I've 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 done that. I've been through a divorce. I've been through these kind of difficulties that you're having, and God was still sovereign. And the 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 power that I that I have to do that, I, I could I didn't know that that struggle I went through when I was 15 would be helpful to someone today, but yep. it is. You know, yep. God okay. is sovereign. There's nothing that happens by happenstance. The fact that I know you and Steve, I, I would never have chosen that, and, and it's one of the great. I can see why. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, 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 what, what, but knowing now, would I ever not know, you know, it's, it, 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 it's, it's one of the best things in my life to know you, to know pastor Peter, to know the people at grace. You're being but very I, gracious. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but would I, but would I draw it up that way? I would say, no, I want to be around people from my, you know, from my culture. I want to, I want to build a church for people that from all my, you know, people I'm comfortable with. And right. now I'm like, no, out of my comfort zone, I'm learning so much more than I would ever have known in my low bubble. Yeah. That's yeah. the sovereignty of God. Yeah, I mean, he
0: chose your DNA, mm-hmm. he chose your street address, he chose who your parents are going to be, who your friends mm-hmm. would be, mm-hmm. um, where you would go to church, the kind of job you have, because he chose what gifts and skills and aptitudes to invest inside of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- we had no choice in these things. Yeah. Then people come along today and say, um, well, I know I was born with the XY chromosome, but I'm going to self-identify with the XX chromosome or the reverse. Um, you can't get there from here. That that dog doesn't hunt; it just doesn't work. Um, the God the isn't. Thing, yeah. It's an attack on God's sovereignty, isn't Amen. it? Amen. Right?
2: Amen. Amen. You can self-identify as a sinner. I think you can work with that. <laughs> That's about it.
0: And God would agree with you on that, right? And so we see Christ was called the Lamb of God from before the foundation of the world. He was the slain Lamb. And again, in eternity, was already done. The saints of God are chosen from before the foundation of the world. Again, done in eternity,
2: past. I, I want to finish real quick with just you know. Once again, we want to get back to Jesus. We want to get back to the gospel. Think about it, okay?
0: That's stop Jesus, and think about it.
2: <laughs> Jesus was born in the ideal time. It was after the Romans had created um, all these roads after the Greeks had conquered most of these places and they all spoke Greek, right? So the, the the gospel spread because everyone spoke the same language. Everyone understood the same written language. All these roads were there where you can travel safely and Paul could hit Asian minor and, and Ephesus and all these different places. Before that time, you're dying. You're not getting, there's no roads. There's no, there's no common language. And, you know, that was necessary. God orchestrated that thousands of years before anyone thought about the Jesus coming. He's prophesying about a Jesus coming way before. How can you believe in chance But there's no way that America, the country that we live in, just from a practical standpoint, would not exist without the technological advances that we have today in terms of computers and planes. And We couldn't even make it to America without the ships. All of these things are a process that's been going on that God started, continuing to do, and has never left the process. There's no chance. There is no luck. There. I want you guys to take those markers out of your language and say, because God will, if God wills, according to the will of God.
0: Yeah, because then what do you do with prophecy? I mean, the fact that Christ had to be born in Bethlehem, and then God caused a census to take place to get Mary, Joseph, and Christ, who was still in Mary's womb, to Bethlehem, the exact place that was prophesied concerning his birth and yeah. all the prophecies that has ever been and have come to pass and been fulfilled. I mean, the fact that Jesus alone fulfilled three hundred prophecies about his life, mm. God is sovereign and God sovereignly was going to orchestrate things in the universe to carry these things out.
2: So Phil, so Phil, at the heart of these three arguments, like like what's the What's what's the problem? What's the main issue that's causing these distortions?
0: The main issue that's causing these distortions is that people don't want God to be God. Mm-hmm. People want to be sovereign. And yeah. so the sovereignty of man wants to override the sovereignty of God. We saw it in the garden. Did God really say? I mean, that's the heart of the problem. Amen. It's the problem of the heart, uh, mm-hmm. to use another cliche. And, um, you know... I think that as we look at all of these things, as we consider the sovereignty of God, um, we just need to do one thing with it, and that's submit to it, that's acknowledge it, that's affirm it, that's echo it from the rooftops and live under the gaze of a sovereign God. And I think it's good to give um, Jonathan Edwards the last word on this, if you don't mind him stepping in.
2: He's, he's okay. He, he's the only one I'll let step over me.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so Jonathan Edwards said, Absolute sovereignty is what I love to ascribe to God.
2: Amen. So
0: I would ask our listeners and even asking uh, our own hearts uh, between Glenn and I is this your heart? Is this our heart? Is this the heart of your church? Is this the heartbeat in your family? In everything you do, that God is sovereign, Satan is not, and I can rest comfortably, I can go to bed at night knowing that God is sovereign. I can have loved ones, which I do, that have cancer knowing that God is sovereign. I could know people that are on their deathbed knowing that God is sovereign. I could know that if I'm out of a job, God is sovereign. I don't have enough money to pay my bills knowing that God is sovereign and he will always take care of me and adding any worry to it will not add one iota of comfort to what I'm experiencing. Friends, listeners, listeners, Are you resting in the reality that God is sovereign in every aspect and facet of your life? Well, we want to take time to
1: thank you for listening to this episode of Stop and Think About It. If you would like to contact us, please email us at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener supported by generous people like you. You can give a tax-deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishyministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It.